Hello, and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I am your host, Teacher in Zion, and this is episode 10 of the podcast, entitled Our Wilderness Experience. Many feel frustrated at the present condition of the church, whether it be LDS, RLDS slash Community of Christ, Temple Lot, or other groups and independent congregations of the Restoration. Many who are from the RLDS background have seen their church institution falter and lose its way. Some may even feel a little hopeless about the redemption of Zion at times. If you are a Book of Mormon believer who feels like the church is lost at this time, this episode is for you. And if you are a member of the LDS Church or some other institution that is still standing, but you are beginning to question and feel a little lost yourself, this episode is also for you. There are many good people out there who feel like they are wandering aimlessly through some kind of spiritual desert, and they wonder, how long will this continue? Some who were called to minister in the church have now nearly given up. Some have given up. For now, they'll just attend to the business of life. Like Peter, after the death and resurrection of Jesus when he had departed from them for a time, we may have decided to go fishing, only to be confronted with the question, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Deep down in our spirit, we know that the time is short, and that we should probably be doing something. But the question is, what? For people from the RLDS background, and among other faltering groups, efforts have been made on the part of people often by priesthood men, which have not borne the fruit we'd hoped for. New church groups have been formed with much fanfare, but then inevitably begin to diminish or fall apart. Our efforts seem frustrated. Should we join this church or that group? There are many voices out there calling out to us, saying, Lo here and lo there. There are many paths we can take. Brothers and sisters, I have experienced this same frustration in the past, and I would submit to you that the reason for our frustration, I believe, is that while we have learned how to predict the weather, we still haven't been able to discern the signs of the times in which we currently live. God is still at work, more than ever, but many of us simply have not recognized it because our focus has been in the wrong place. If we do not properly understand the real source of the problems the church is experiencing, then the solutions we come up with will be ineffective at best, and possibly even counterproductive to what God's will is for our lives. I know I do not have all the answers. There are many Many things I do not know, and I am least among the brethren and have nothing whatsoever to boast of. If there is any good in me, it is only what God has done in spite of me. 
However, in this one thing, I feel assured by the Holy Spirit, for he's been at work in me, revealing a clear understanding of these times in which we live and how it relates to our present condition. But I am not the only one to receive this. More each day have begun to receive this understanding as well. It has been received through visions, dreams, and by the spirit of revelation. And in the mouth of multiple witnesses does the Lord reveal his truth. So as to the question of where we presently are, spiritually speaking, for those people who have experienced this pain and this uncertainty, it is called the wilderness experience. Many of God's most faithful children are presently in the wilderness. Some entered into the wilderness decades ago. Some entered more recently. And some are about to enter into it. Regardless of where we are in this process, we must all undertake this journey in order to go to the mountain of the Lord and then into the promised land, or in other words, the kingdom of Christ. Around the turn of the century, I received by way of the Holy Spirit that it is the end of the church age and the beginning of the kingdom age. This has since been confirmed by numerous independent witnesses. The church age represents denominationalism. It represents the building up of institutions and any ministry with a self-centered focus. It represents man being in charge, the traditions of men, putting our trust in the arm of flesh and having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, claiming that we have the proper doctrine, a superior understanding of God's ways, and the exclusive authority of the priesthood, and yet not walk in the gifts and the authority of the Holy Spirit as we should, whether speaking in tongues or interpreting, performing miracles, healing the sick, prophesying or giving a word of knowledge, and casting out demons. Where are the signs that are supposed to follow the believers, as spoken of at the end of the Gospel of Mark and in the Book of Mormon? For many of us, the institutional church can be likened to Egypt in the Bible. Think about it. Egypt began as a place of refuge for the family of Israel a place to be nourished and fed. It was a place where they could grow. But after some generations had passed, Egypt became a place of bondage for them. This is the case for many in our institutional churches. In order to grow spiritually, we must exodus the church age. This does not mean that God cannot use a church group. Some will flourish and be given specific missions a special purpose in the body, but only if they acknowledge that they are but one small part of the greater body of Christ, a single piece in the greater kingdom puzzle that God will bring together in these last days. Lack of humility and claims of exclusivity are contrary to the purposes and plans of God and a sure sign of the religious spirit at work. Efforts to build up an institutional church rather than focusing on the kingdom of God, will be frustrated. Many church institutions will begin to diminish and even collapse, 
or become a part of the church of Satan, being caught up in the multitude of last-day deceptions. When I first heard the Spirit say that it was the end of the church age, I rejoiced at the knowledge that we would begin to make this transition. However, because I did not yet understand that between these two eras is the wilderness experience, I began to question why the church age appeared to be lingering or unraveling more slowly than I had expected. I was eager to see the kingdom age, but its manifestation seemed to be delayed as well. Knowing that the Lord's timing is not always according to our expectations, I tried to have patience and wait upon the Lord. But in my seeking to understand how it would all unfold, the Spirit began to help me understand something that I was missing. He began to teach me about the wilderness experience. The wilderness experience has a very specific purpose. It is not a punishment, though it may feel like it, especially for those who miss Egypt or the church age. The wilderness experience is actually for our benefit. It comes with specific lessons that we need to learn. Though it may be uncomfortable, we cannot bypass it. Principally, it is designed to do three things. One, teach us to let go of the church age. Two, learn how to gain and maintain a more intimate relationship with God, even as Israel had to learn to follow the cloud by day and the pillar by night. When it stopped, they camped, and when it moved, they packed up camp and followed. And finally, number three, it is designed to prepare us for the kingdom age. Although the children of Israel physically came out of Egypt, many of them still held Egypt in their hearts. Likewise, many of us will struggle to let go of the church age. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And it is for this reason that I feel compelled to share this understanding with you. Those who attempt to rebuild what God is dismantling are like the Israelites in the wilderness erecting a golden calf. Some fight to maintain or shore up their crumbling institutions, while others attempt to build up new churches based on the blueprints of their formerly failed institutions, imagining that what God blessed in the past must automatically be what he desires for us now. This is presumption and folly. As Ecclesiastes states, For everything there is a season. Attempts to rebuild what God is dismantling will be met with frustration. In the Doctrine and Covenants, there is a revelation that Joseph Smith received in 1828, where God tells him that the works, designs, and purposes of God cannot be frustrated, and that it is not the work of God that is frustrated, but the work of men. Those who find their efforts frustrated will naturally want to blame the devil or other people around them, but in actuality, they are wrestling with God. What God does not only prospers and grows, but it bears good fruit. Christ is the vine, and we are the branches. Without him, we cannot bear good fruit, and he is not found in the building up or the preservation of our proud institutions, but rather in the work of bringing forth the kingdom of God. 
As for the question of where do we go from here, first I would share that we must embrace the lessons of the wilderness. And we must forsake Egypt by removing all desire for the church age from our hearts. When you miss the church age, what you're really longing for is the living water that we used to partake of in the institutional church. Spiritual nourishment is naturally associated with the institutional church in our minds due to our past experiences. And this is understandable. However, the actual source for this living water, which brought us peace, joy, contentment, healing, and a sense of purpose, that source hasn't changed at all. It has always come directly from God, not from the church. We must make Christ the focus of our devotion and love, and in turn be changed by him so that we can love our fellow man. Again, the end of the church age does not necessarily mean the end of all churches. Those groups that understand and play their role in God's plan will find their place within the greater body of Christ as we move into the kingdom age. However, the Lord has been withdrawing his spirit from those groups and institutions that resist the new move of God and stubbornly cling to the church age. The reason why God is withdrawing from these efforts is so that the membership of those churches will become disenchanted, begin to question, and eventually learn to forsake their dead religion and go directly to the source. Those who never really had a relationship with God to begin with, but only in a relationship with the church, will likely fall away and lose faith in God altogether. We see it happen every day. Some who are simply honest souls who cannot stand hypocrisy and have turned to atheism will be recovered as the power and the Holy Spirit begin to once more manifest itself in the body of Christ that shall arise after it has been purified. Secondly, we must learn to listen for and adhere to that voice of one who's crying in the wilderness, which is the spirit of Elijah. He is our guide in the wilderness experience, preparing the way. According to the New Testament, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord by preaching repentance. This has not changed. Repentance is making changes to our ways of thinking and our way of doing things that removes barriers we have erected by our own choices. Repentance brings us into a closer relationship with God. We are promised in Malachi 4.5 that God will send us the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of of the children to their parents. This is speaking of a reawakening and a remembrance of the covenants made with our spiritual fathers and us laying hold of the promises God made to Israel. We must embrace our tribal identity and take our place as part of the house of Israel. I believe the spirit of Elijah is with us now. It can be an aspect of the Holy Spirit but it is also a very specific ministry and a mantle that can be placed within certain individuals. Not that we need to go looking for some guy to be Elijah come again. Be careful not to prop anyone up so that we may follow them. 
We need to follow the Lamb of God, not some self-appointed prophet. From what I have understood, there may be hundreds or even thousands of forerunners carrying this Elijah mantle in the last days. Perhaps you are one of them. And this is because the last day harvest will be much larger than anything previously seen on this earth. We are promised that the blessings of the latter rain are coming, and according to Haggai 2.9, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Truly, the Lord is saving the best wine for last. Finally, I feel led to address those servants called to minister to the body of Christ. All efforts to build up our own ministries and churches, or to seek after power or prestige, must end. Priesthood titles and positions in church organizations are of little importance. Authority does not come from someone who was ordained by someone who was ordained by Joseph Smith, Jr. It comes only from God. And God alone will give authority to whomever he chooses. Those who are truly chosen by the Lord will soon begin to walk in an authority like we have never seen in our lifetime. We must begin to recognize each other by the Spirit. We will also know His servants by their fruit, for they will walk in the gifts of the Spirit. They will heal the sick and cast out devils, but they will also be humble and filled with the love of God for their fellow man. The Lord uses the weak and the humble, and He will use the meek to shake this world with power. Whoever would be the greatest must become the least of all, the lowest of all servants. Like John the Baptist, we must also seek to decrease as Christ increases. All glory, honor, and praise must go to Christ the King and to Him alone. The esteem of men should be counted as dross, and the only approval we should desire is that which comes from the Lord. If there is one thing we can surely agree upon, it is that God is worthy to be praised, and He has promised in His Word that if we will draw close to Him, He will draw close to us. May we take Him up on His promise and begin enjoying the rich blessings of heaven. And that will conclude this episode. And if I haven't totally offended you yet, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and join us for our next episode. Generally speaking, new episodes are released each Saturday. And if you have any questions or would like to share something, feel free to email me at teacherinzion at gmail.com. That's teacherinzion, all one word, no spaces, at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion. Or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion spelled as one. My books can be found at Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton 
That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.